Well, today, the title of my message is Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love. The God kind of love is a different kind of love. It's not the world's kind of love. It's not the phileo kind of love. It's not the self-centered kind of love. Do you get it? Need some help? Praise the Lord. It's a new kind of love. It's a different kind of love. The world is not acquainted with this love. In fact, the world will criticize this love. Uh, the world doesn't have the ability to act with this kind of love because this kind of substance only can come from God because as 1 John tells us, it is God. God is love. Yeah. It's of God. And so uh, I want to start out and um, I want to read to you from the New Living Translation, and um, uh, I wasn't planning to read this particular translation, so forgive me for reading it off my phone. I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm not texting and surfing the internet while I'm preaching to you. Uh, <laughs> I prefer to do it on my iPad or something, but anyhow, it's here. So praise the Lord. I break my own rule. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 1. John chapter 8, verse 1. Talking about a redeeming love. A love that is from God, a love that is of God, and a, a love that God is. A substance that is of God, a substance that is from God, and a substance that is what God is made of. All right? Now, Jesus came to show us the Father, to show us what he's like. He showed, he showed us what God would be like in human flesh, in human form. If God was a human, this is what God would be like. And he became human. So this is what God is like as one of us. John, uh, excuse me, yeah, John chapter eight, verse one. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. I'm reading New Living Translation. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, starting with verse one. A crowd soon gathered and sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Uh, I think it's interesting <laughs> that that's included in the word, like they caught her, uh, some translations say, in the very act. So that uh, you, there can be no like, a question about it, like uh, she was committing adultery. Um, so they put her in front of the crowd. This is what the world, this is the, this is the world's way, you know, like, well, you know, we got rules, we had to follow the rules, and you broke the rules, and so you got to be stoned. Here, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I'm a godly person and, you know, I love you and everything, but this is, this is what needs to be done. This is what has to be done. And, you know, society would kind of go crazy and, you know, if, if we let you cheat on your husband, then every other woman's going to cheat on their husband and then, you know, we'd lose our power and authority. Maybe that's what they're thinking, you know. Uh, verse four, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said, stone her. What do you say? Now, how many times has that question been asked to you? Well, you know, they did this. What do you say? You know, they said this and this, so what do you say? Or this is, this is uh, we caught them doing this, so what do you say? What do you say? What are your thoughts? Verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. 
could preach for six months on this in Washington, D.C. <laughs> right? I mean, look at all the talking and talking and talking, and they're saying this stuff, but it's not really because that stuff. It's really they're trying to catch you. I'm trying to get you, trying to get you, trying to force you, trying to make you look bad, trying to, you know, uh, say like, uh, you're foolish. Praise the Lord. Man. You come get in, get in politics, you can come face to face with the world system. You know, Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed. And, uh, you know, he entered the, encountered the principalities and powers and the rulers of this world system in his prayer. Because behind governments... There are principalities and powers that endeavor, because why? Well, think of our own country. If they could get dominion, if they could have their way, well, they can stop. You know, this country, more than probably any other in the world, has promoted the spread of the gospel. And if they can shut that thing down, well, then, you, you don't understand, this is not about the Democrats or the Republicans or the independents. This is about the kingdom of God. And this is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't think like it's just one political party that yields to demonic spirits, okay? Uh, the devil's seeking whom he may devour. So he doesn't care if you're a libertarian or Democrat, independent, Republican. He really doesn't care. Uh, he just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to bring um, division. And he wants to influence the political scene of this nation, and he wants to influence the influencer of this nation to do his will. And he's very tricky and he's very deceptive. And, you know, he tries to get you to fall for the same things that he fell for. Like, there's kind of like no new sin. You know, like, well, you need to be in charge and you need to, you need to be one that has this and you need to have this and it doesn't really care what the cost is because what you're going to do is going to be like greater than what, what that little lie is or what, what that is or whatever. You know how the system works. So it's not just political. It happens in every arena. But in the political arena, it happens a lot. And so at Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the rulers of the law, they're kind of like the, the leaders of the nation and the leaders that are making these decisions. And so, um, you know, I like how Paul told Timothy, first of all, let's pray for the leaders and for those in authority. Why? Well, because... Uh, God works through authorities, but so does the devil try to work through authorities. So if you can get the authority, my goodness, you have got a path to all of that underneath. What does that mean? Does that mean if you have like an ungodly, uh, ungodly leadership in Congress, ungodly leadership in the, in the White House, and, and those things that uh, um, uh, you're going to have like a, be demonically oppressed and possessed all the time and all that? Well, no, you have your individual relationship with the Lord. But what it means is that you may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. It means like what you believe about the Lord, if you get the wrong people in office, uh, influenced really, I should say, by the wrong spirits, well, then they're going to try to make decisions that don't allow you to live peaceably in all godliness. <laughs> You understand? So uh, there's never a, authorities are huge. I mean, God works through authorities, but like, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, the husband is the head of the wife 
it actually does not say that the man is the head of the woman. There's a big difference there. Huge difference. What does that mean? That means in the family setting, God ordained that uh, uh, when there is a decision and there's a conflict that uh, the woman needs to defer to the man. You you could use the word submit, but so many people use a lot of different definitions for the word submit, and they're like, uh, you know, obey, and like, be dominated by, and that's not really. uh, The man's job, my job to my wife, is to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Well, that means in a lot of my decisions, I'm giving up a lot of stuff if I'm going to do it right. And so, you know, uh, praise the Lord. None of that was in my notes, but I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. There's a lot more going on than what you see. And it's real easy to get uh, familiar with people and to get uh, flesh conscious. In other words, well, I don't like you. You know, I'm thinking of a particular senator right now. (laughs) And I could think like, what is wrong with that man? Well, you know what is wrong with that man? He just has learned to yield to the wrong thing. God loves him. And God loves you and God loves every single one of us. And so for us, it's really not a matter of that we're wrestling against people. It's, it's principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so if we keep that consciousness, then you've got to understand, like, it's not that I have a problem with you. I have a problem with what is influencing you. And you have a problem with what's influencing you. I'm just using my wife as an example. She's fine. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, But do you understand? So sometimes you need to say something in your own life. Not for your husband to hear. Not not so that your husband will hear. Not so that your wife will hear. Not so that your friend will hear. Although your husband, your wife, or your friend may be in your presence. But you need to say it so the principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world will hear a believer anointed by the Spirit of God with the authority of Jesus Christ himself in the earth realm, in the flesh. In other words, that's where the authority of Christ is exercised. It's through his body. So when one person of his body says, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Oh, no, we're not allowing that. You realize if you say that and you believe it, the devil has no option. In fact, Brother Hagin one time talking about resist the devil and he'll flee. He looked it up in one of these one-foot thick, one, you know, one foot thick dictionaries. Um, and... Um, he found one of the definitions says it meant to flee, meant to run from as in terror. In other words, you just say, when you believe, and devil knows if you believe or not, you just say the name of Jesus, you believe the power of that name, I mean, demons tremble. I mean, things happen. I mean, I was just uh, ministering to somebody this week, and I said, I said, oh, just say, that's a lie in the name of Jesus. And it was like you could, the, the whole atmosphere, it would be like, oh, you know what it'd be like? It'd be like it was raining for eight days straight. <laughs> Cloudy, no sunshine. And all of a sudden, you just said, that's a lie in the name of Jesus. And yeah. daylight. <laughs> like, where's the sunglasses? Yeah. Yeah. That's the power of the name of Jesus. And the power of the love of Jesus. You know, um, 
I wasn't sure if I was going to tell this, but I, it keeps coming to my spirit, so I will tell it. Um, and Melody, if you need to help me or correct me, please feel free. You can grab a mic and, and help me out. I'm serious. So we went to the Philippines in um, 2005, uh, a missions trip with uh, Pastor Paul Chase. And um, well, we had uh, been on staff and traveled with Brother Hagen. He passed away. And, um, you know, we were kind of like praying about what, what we're to do next because uh, he left us and went to heaven. <laughs> You know, and so, um, you know, I'd always, we both had a heart for missions and I thought, well, I want to do some, uh, some stuff. But uh, this guy came to speak at the church there and he had uh, 13 churches in the Philippines at that time and uh, also had a Bible school. And he had said, uh, when he ministered at the church in Tulsa, he said, you know, in order to graduate from our Bible school, you have to get someone, well, actually it was five people, you have to get five people born again. You have to get five people baptized in the Holy Ghost and you have to cast out devils or you will not graduate. And I said, huh, I like a challenge. I think I'd like to go work with him. <laughs> and so, so we did. We went over there and he sent us to three of his churches. And um, it was a man, such a wonderful experience. And um, uh, every church was very different. And, uh, you know, we, we learned traveling with Brother Hagin that um, churches have personalities, and uh, you could do certain things, minister in certain ways in some churches that you couldn't in others because while they were, they were taught better, uh, they knew the move of the Spirit, they knew the flow of the Holy Ghost, and they knew that you draw on the Lord, you don't draw on people, and on and on and on. Uh, really, most of it boils down to honor, what type of honor they have for the things of the Lord. And so at one particular church, uh, they were telling us this story. Yeah, can you, Melly's going to get a mic. And um, can you tell it? I don't know what story you're it's telling. It's <laughs> the little girl that was always drug out into the field. Okay. Yeah? You want to tell it? No, you tell I'll just interject. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it. You're going to watch me walk in love. I'm teaching on love. So you teach on stuff you to get challenged before, during, or after. So apparently this is during. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the demonic activity in the Philippines is different, uh, at least than what I have personally experienced here. You know, I've... I've uh, ministered in a few cases with some demonic activity, but it just seems like maybe because of our country was founded upon the word of God, um, it's almost like uh, there's less opportunity um, or less permission for the devil to manifest himself so much. You know, there's so many believers, really. I mean, as soon as all the believers are taken out of the earth, you're going to see like, uh, you know, tribulation, lots of trouble. In fact, it's held back because of us, not, not us, the body of Christ. And so anyhow... I kind of preface that story just to, to say all that. And um, so this little girl, I don't know how old she was. Do you remember how old she was? She's probably like, I, yeah, pretty young girl. And um, they had a lot of demonic activity uh, in the Philippines. And um, she would um, wake up in the morning and come out and she would like her, her dress and her outfit. She'd have like grass all over her knees and, you know, dirt and just kind of all messed up and, and come back. And uh, they said, well, what is going on? You know, the parents said to her, what's going on? And um, she said, well, uh, these things come and take me out uh, in the middle of the night and drag me through the fields. So again, I'm not exposed to that type of demonic activity on a regular basis. And so, uh, you know, I would just assume the parents were thinking this. So what they did is they locked the doors, locked the windows so she can't get out. Well, same thing kept happening. Take her like right through the walls, all this type of stuff. Uh, use the mic. Yeah, they sent her to her aunt's house. 
who lives by the pastor that we're talking to. And they, she did the same thing. They thought, well, if we get her away, you know, to another city. And then she locked the doors and everything. And, then... and, the, and the same thing would still happen. Go ahead. I want you to tell the rest. Okay. And then that, that aunt that she went to her house, she was a, I believe she was a believer. Or if she did, wasn't a believer, she knew this pastor. So she went to him and said, you know, told him the whole story. What's going on? That, you know, she's out, you know. <laughs> No matter what, she's out and full of straw or grass or whatever. And so um, uh, so the pastor's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? You know, I have no idea um, how to minister to this lady or what even to do. So he, he And that may happen many times that you're ministering to people, but what you do is you just look to the inside yeah, and say, exactly. oh, Holy Ghost, what's the answer to this? Because if I'm ministering to you, it doesn't mean I'm really not that smart. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, Pastor Mark's dad, B.B. Hankins, said, if you listen to the Holy Ghost, yeah. he'll make you look smart. Yeah. So I check on the inside. Yeah. And I may, like, I don't know how many times people come to me, and I'm like, oh, I have no clue on earth, you know? And I don't want to tell them something, even if it's from the Word, that I just like, well, it seems like this would fit, you know? It seems like it could fit. Uh, and so I'll just check, and all of a sudden, I got the Word. And I'm like, there it is. And it just, like, nails the situation. Okay, so anyhow. went over there and um, he's just looking on the inside like he's talking about and um, he got in there with her and he just just came up to say Jesus loves you God loves you so much you are loved of God you're beautiful God loves you oh she's gonna cry <laughs> okay we well, can put that up then if you're done and that set her free and it never happened again yeah. just by her knowing and being Receiving Christ and receiving the love of Christ. As soon as she had that knowledge. Because if I remember correctly, even the parents tried to say, he just has to stop in the name of Jesus. Nothing worked until she heard someone tell her, Jesus loves you. It's a redeeming love. It's a love that will take whatever the devil has done or is trying to do in your life and redeem the situation. Change the situation. You know, so I hesitated to tell that story because it's kind of like, whoo, you know, but it's... Uh, I believe it's true. John, back in John chapter 8. So they're trying to trap him into saying something. Trap the Pharisees, the rules of the law, trying to trap Jesus into saying something so they could use it against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I love this passage of scripture. The, the Holy Spirit will never push on you and force you to do something and put pressure on you. You got to do this. You got to go this way. And then all, all the talking and all this type of stuff. Man, if that happens, you just, you just like, you may have to be in a situation where you have to physically stand, but I'm saying on the inside, you just be writing down, writing in the sand. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves her. Jesus is love. God is love. In other words, don't you yield to what is behind that pressure, trying to get you, trying to capture you, trying to snare you, because the devil's trying to set a trap. And many times it will look very enticing. Like, well, they need to know that's not the right way to live. Well, they need to know that, you know, uh, that's just bad, and they need to know all this type of stuff. And those type of thoughts will try to, you know, the devil doesn't normally come saying like, you know, uh, they need to feel gross and they need to feel nasty and they need to know how evil they are, you know. 
unless he's tempting you with telling them that they're evil. So he knelt down, wrote in the dust with his finger, and they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Jesus is the great equalizer. (laughs) He's like, all right. You know, Jesus, what are you going to do? She was caught actually doing it. They saw her. You can't not say anything. You know that's against the law. You know that can't happen. You know she's like a mess. He said, all right, if you're going to treat somebody by that standard, then who's ever perfect, you be the one that casts the first stone. You throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. <laughs> Can you picture this? He's like, they're like, da da da. He's like, and they're probably upset. You know how people get upset when that spirit actually behind the people gets upset when you don't yield to the same thing. Do you understand? Like, Somebody's upset. I always like to use the example. Somebody's really upset at the, the boss or, or them. It really, they're upset at them. You know what they said? <laughs> well, they said that this is, and they said this is a change in the company, and they said this is what's going to happen, and they said this, and you're like, you went in, and you're like, oh, praise the Lord. It's a good day. Sun is finally out. Go over to God. And they're like, you know, they said, and you're like, what'd they say? <laughs> the same thing that is influencing them is trying to influence you. And it just kind of got a hold of you. So if you hear yourself say, yeah, that's bad. And you're like, you know what? Uh, I believe they'll do the right thing. I thank, you for the, I, I thank God for the blood of Jesus. I've made mistakes. And so uh, I pray for them for wisdom. You know, or something. Some other saying like that. Verse nine. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. <laughs> Like they're kind of embarrassed because they're trying to point out your sin, but actually they're shown to be the ones that are having some major issues. So they're like, uh, before they're like announcing everything and now they're like slipping away one by one. You know, you ever seen that? Like a crowd? So there's a crowd and uh, man, if you look in the Bible and you want to study the work of the devil, uh, a lot of times if you look from Genesis starting on, as soon as there was a crowd of people and everybody's just like, oh, let's all get together. Oh, let's build this whole thing or let's do this. You know, it's amazing how easy it is in crowd or herd mentality to uh, miss God and go a different direction. <laughs> so they're all like in this crowd and they're like, oh, 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 he left. Oh, I'm out of here too. Like, oh, I'm not saying anything. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? When Jesus asks you a question, you really want to pay attention. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I, go and sin no more. This to me is such an awesome and vivid picture of the redeeming love of God. That if you could think, it might be hard for you, but if you could think if you've ever made a mistake, anything you've ever done, 
It doesn't matter big or small. This is how Jesus looks at you. Neither do I condemn you. You know, like, he, he will, Jesus will communicate with you uh, by his spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never condemn you. The Holy Spirit will never condemn a sinner. They will conv- he will convict you of not believing on Jesus, but he will never condemn you. So if you're feeling condemnation, if you're feeling trapped like no way out, that is not from God. That is not his way. Jesus came displayed like what a vivid, what a vivid experience. What a testimony this woman must have had. Like the, the love of the world, uh, you know, phileo love uh, from the Greek, like that the world would try to show. Imagine bursting on this scene over 2,000 years ago. Pharisees are like, well, I'm doing pretty good. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, of course I, I love, you know. Uh, of course I obey the commandments. And all of a sudden, Jesus just turns everything upside down and said, like, no, let me show you what God is like. God's not like rule after rule after rule after rule and, oh, I'm going to snuff you out. Praise the Lord. We serve a loving God, a good God, and a redeeming God. He is a God of redemption. He is a God that bought you back, bought me back, and bought the worst sinner in the world back at the price of his one and only son. He set his love upon you to redeem you, to buy you back, complete, whole, every part. This is like... a very crucial part of the gospel, that if you don't get this part of the gospel right, your faith will not work. Faith works by love, and faith is your connection to God. And if you're not gonna connect with God by love, well, you're not gonna connect because God is love. And so as soon as you connect to him, love will flow. Not your kind of love, not my kind of love, but God's kind of love. The love that God is, the substance of love. Selfishness is the center around which the man kind of love revolves. Selfishness is the center from which the man kind of love revolves. But God working through his kids is the center from which the God kind of love revolves. God working in his children and through his children. How does he work through his children? Well, that means that you give up uh, your plan, your thoughts, your ways, and you let his love dominate you. So you might decide, well, okay, the correct... um, Answer to the situation is, you know, I'm going to lift a particular finger while I'm driving. <laughs> you know, like somebody like uh, cut you off or whatever. You may be like, here's the right response. But something on the inside, really more accurately said, someone on the inside 
is like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. It's called the love of Christ, what constrains us. It's trying to hold us back. Doesn't force us. That's why you can, as a believer, do something you shouldn't do. <laughs> but you have the mercies of God, which are new every morning. The mercies of God are new every morning. You know, when uh, the disciples asked Jesus, and we'll close with this, because we're out of time, praise the Lord. Um, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should we forgive? And they're like, you know, what do you think, Jesus? They're thinking like, well, this is Jesus, so he's amazing. So not three times, one for every meal, but okay, seven times, Jesus. What if we do seven times? And he's like, how about 70 times seven? And you're like, huh? I didn't even come close. But you know, they asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? In other words, Jesus is actually answering the question of the one that needs to forgive, not the one that's even committing the act. Do you understand? He's not saying, go out and, you know, don't sin seven times, sin 77 times. You know, if you, if you want to try to, like, figure out every single little law, every single little rule, and write them down, and then to say, like, okay, I'm not going to do these, I'm not going to do these, I'm not going to do these, you're going to start doing them because you're focused on that. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. You know, the strength of the law is sin. So if you're going to like try to live by all of these rules, all of these laws, you're going to have a really strong desire to sin because you have made the righteousness of God kind of like not effective for you. You've kind of said like, okay, I'm just going to try and live in all of these rules, all of these laws. So like, tell me how many times I can do this. Tell me how many times I can do this. No, no, no. Jesus is talking, Jesus is talking about, I don't care how many times someone's, if someone, how many times someone offends you, forgive. The freedom is not in holding something against someone. The freedom is freely forgiving. Your flesh wants to be like, no, no, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to hold this against you. But God said, freely you have been forgiven. Now freely forgive. Even worse, he said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. <laughs> so you ought to forgive. You ought to forgive. Stand with me if you would. Every about every high closed. God is a good God. All of his ways, all of his thoughts, all of his dealings with you. If you have, if you have something coming against you this morning, if you have something coming against you that is, is um, speaking death to you, speaking thievery to you, speaking destruction to you, speaking bondage to you, that is of the devil, that is not of God. Jesus said, I have come, I came. This is the purpose, this is the reason that I came on the scene is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So I don't care where you're at in your life, if you look at your life right now, the will of God is revealed through Jesus Christ. And his will for you is that you would live and live a full, abundant life. And that life goes beyond and supersedes and really has authority over things in the natural world. 
and natural ways. And if you can live life from that place, which you can, so if you choose to live life from that place, your life will be like a written epistle of God. Adventures in God. You'll see God show up in little ways and in big ways. Times when you expect him and times when you don't expect him because he's living on the inside. Really, he's he's always there and it's really a matter of us just being conscious of what he's doing, what he's saying. And it's not hard, it's easy. If you think it's hard, you have a misunderstanding, uh, come and we'll talk to you and and, uh, tell you the word. Because you're his sheep, you hear his voice. The difficulty is the unrenewed mind and uh, the pressures from the world. So don't succumb to those. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the saving, redeeming, freeing power of your love. Father, thank you that you loved us. Thank you that while we were sinners, while we were messing up, while we were making mistakes, you paid the price for us because you set your love upon us. Oh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for looking after us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for giving us freedom. Thank you for putting all of our mistakes, our failures, our weakness, our sickness, our disease, our poverty, our lack, our mental problems on Jesus and setting us free through him. Thank you for defeating all of those things that there's no, they no longer have dominion. They no longer have power. They no longer have place. But now Jesus is our Lord and Jesus has place. Thank you for the freedom that we have in him. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, it's not about what you could do. It's about what Jesus did. It's about accepting his love that he gave for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only son for you. If that's you this morning, I want you to come down or slip up your hand and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. In an instant of time, your life will change. If you're here this morning and you have known the Lord, you do know the Lord, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There is an experience after salvation, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it will enhance your life. It will change your life. It will light up and bring alive the Word of God to you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. If you're here this morning, last one, if you're here this morning and you were walking with God, but you let the things of the world creep in, other things, other desires, and you kind of slid back into the things of the world, but you want to get right, or you're not sure if you're saved, you just want to know if you're saved, you can know today. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. I'll pray with you and pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and powerful. We thank you for the seeds that you have sown into our hearts today. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we will walk in your love, yield to your love, manifest your love, that we'll share your love and give your love in every situation, the big ones and the small ones. We thank you for your freedom that you have given us in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.